Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to On Texas Football. I'm Bobby Burton, joined today by Inside Texas uh, publisher, Eric Nalin. How you doing today, Eric? I'm doing great, Bobby. Uh, today, we're doing our weekly state of the program episode. Uh, each week, each and every week, Eric and I try to run down all things Texas. Uh, it's a mix of uh, team-related news, recruiting news, sometimes other sports uh, get involved. And so we have to talk about it all here. Uh, Eric, uh, let's start with what's maybe the most pressing uh, situation right now as far as the Longhorns are concerned. And that's the portal. Um, O'Shawn Mathis, late last week, the, the defensive end that uh, Texas absolutely prizes, uh, it is dropped what he calls a top five list on Twitter. Um, so uh, tell us about that situation, where Texas is in, in his recruitment. Yeah, the top five was a little interesting. Those close to him, uh, some of those schools kind of caught him by surprise. Uh, you know, we know that he had had interest from Alabama and Clemson, and clearly those teams didn't make the top five. Um, you know, I'm not, you know, all the confidence I get, I'm getting a lot of confidence from inside the program, uh, from around him, uh, outside, you know, Manor, he's a local kid to Austin. So, you know, the, the closer they are to Austin, the more lines of communication we have, indirect lines of communication. And so, uh, you know, everything still points positively to Texas and they're, they're acting, they're not acting desperate. Otherwise they'd be going after the, the guy from uh, UCLA that, that just entered the portal not too long ago. So I think they feel good about O'Shawn Mathis. Um, it was an interesting top five, and we're going to continue monitoring that just because I want to see how some of those schools got in there. Uh, maybe there's some un unique ends or unique ties uh, to Nebraska. That's a really random school to, to have in there. I, in the end, I just don't see him uh, going away from Gary Patterson. And also then, you know, UTA, uh, Texas is right in the shadows of where he's from. So, you know, I still feel good about it. I know, I know, I know fans are going to have a tendency to worry until it's all said and done. And, and I understand that because uh, Lucy's pulled the football a couple times. Uh, but but I, I think that, you know, there's, 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 there's good reason to have confidence in him ending up uh, filling that major need on, on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, I, I tell you what, like, I agree with you. The other thing that Texas offers that we don't, that he's got to be uncertain if any other school offers at the very best is a wide open depth chart at his position. Yeah. Yeah. Um, frankly, the young man, I mean, it, it's, it, it fits a lot of, Jerry likes to use this whole check the boxes term, which I'm trying to, it's, it sounds cliche. So I'm trying to stop myself from saying it, yeah. but that's what it does. Right. I mean, you're mentioning the 30 minute Mainers, 30 minutes, 15 minutes from campus. Uh, he, he, he and Gary Patterson have a great relationship. He was all, all big 12 with Patterson uh, just two years ago. Uh, you know, all of these things uh, line up correctly, but then you have teams like Nebraska uh, which, you know, we've talked about this before, is it, the running back coach from TCU is now at Nebraska. Yeah, so it's right. kind of this odd amalgam of schools. I mean, Penn State, I mean, really, I mean, what's the, what yeah, is the, uh, the uh, uh, mix there that, that draws them? Ole Miss obviously has been very heavy in the portal. So has USC. So you kind of understand those two uh, where they're trying to um, remake their rosters. 
but at Texas, Mathis, it, it, it's like a jigsaw puzzle, and this it, it fits. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's yeah, he's 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 every bit the need that that adding a quarterback was to the roster on defense. You know that so that's where we started to see the whole defense break down last year, uh, and and that's that's where you know that's where it became tougher to play linebacker. That's where it became tougher to play safety is the, those breakdowns up front. And so he he he's a major need. They're treating him as such, and I, I feel good about where they are today. So you know we think that Texas still wants to take another linebacker in this recruiting class, uh, potentially a safety. Uh, or, and I say recruiting class, I should say that in this portal class, uh, a linebacker, a safety. Um, Lorenzo McCaskill from Louisiana is the only one that I think has a visit set up at this point to Texas. But Texas did offer Dericky Wright from Vanderbilt uh, right. just last week, uh, a uh, linebacker defensive end type. Uh, tell us what you found out about Dericky Wright at this point. Well, I mean, the major concern with, with Wright is that, uh, you know, the second he went into the portal, I said, oh, he's just going to end up at Oklahoma State with uh, Derek Mason and, um, you know, his uh, former head coach that recruited him to Vandy. Uh, and Texas actually beat Oklahoma State <clears throat> to the punch on the offer. And so, you know, that was that was noteworthy. They, they liked what they saw immediately. Um, you know, part of me wonders if they had a feeling that that guy might be enter entering the portal just with how fast that they, they moved on that offer because they don't typically move that quickly. Uh, so I'm thinking there was some familiarity. I do know he was a, a one-time Alabama commit. And so there was probably some familiarity there. Um, he's more of that buck outside linebacker that Ovi uh, Agufo is, is slated to, to play this year or to start. Um, and so it's not the same off the ball uh, fit that Lorenzo McCaskill has. Uh, but, you know, <clears throat> his fit is much more cleaner in the Texas scheme than it will be in the Oklahoma State scheme, even with Derek Mason as, as his former head coach that recruited him. He was not utilized uh, properly at Vanderbilt. Uh, the Texas scheme would set him up quite well to, to yeah, he's going to play in space some and drop. He's very good doing that. Uh, but his body type is more conducive to coming forward as well. So uh, you want to get that guy rushing the passer and playing on the line of scrimmage instead of playing out in space. It's clear that they're just looking for better defensive players in general, right? I mean, that's that's the the, <laughs> the large emphasis right now. Texas has not offered – we were talking prior to this um, uh, video cast and, and podcast – you said that Texas has not offered uh, Western Illinois safety Darius Joyner at this point. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah, it's, you know, we're in a bit of a lull for the uh, for the portal. A lot more guys are going to become available after spring ball. Um, most of the guys that, that are going to be in the portal are already in uh, for the most part, and they won't be going through spring. So those guys are, are more, you know, you, we might see a trickle here and there of new names, but it's it'll be more outliers. Uh, you'll see another, I won't say a flood, but another cascade maybe. Uh, after spring ball, after depth charts uh, um, come, you know, after after they take more form and and you know, with all the coaching turnover, there's going to be guys that are talented that just don't see eye to eye with the new coaches that didn't recruit them. So there's going to be some interesting outlier players that go into the portal. And I think I think Texas is, is taking a patient approach. We've seen them be patient in the high school ranks, and and I think they they've been patient in uh, in when it comes to the portals and the transfer transfer market. I'll tell you what, I was told this a long time ago by a, a former head coach. Uh, he said that you have 85 spots in each one. If you sign one that you you don't like, you can be striped. You can be uh, with them for five, four or five years, and that's just too long. You yeah. have very few precious spots, and the the moment you take someone that you overreach on and don't yeah. have a great feel for is the is the one you start dragging down your roster. Yeah, I, I likened it to uh, to buying a house. You know, for anybody that's shot for a house and, and maybe they lost a house or two on, on the market, especially how the markets have been lately, you know, <laughs> there's so many offers. People aren't getting their first choice house. But there's always another house that comes on the market. And a lot of times it works out for the best. I know I've had that sort of luck in the past. Uh, and so there's there's always going to be another player that comes along. 
uh, and you know, sometimes you can you can jump the gun and, and pay for it because especially with portal uh, allocation, they're, they're, they're way more limited than the high school. You know, if you miss on one of five offensive linemen, it's not a big deal. But if you have a glaring need at linebacker and you miss on that, it's, it's a much bigger problem. And, it, and it's an immediate problem that you can't address. You know what's interesting? I agree with you, except there are those ones that are got to haves. Sure. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Quinn, Quinn, yours. Yeah. You know, there is no second choice. I, I was about to say that I was happy that they circled back to Isaiah Nair after uh, after missing out on Mario Williams, because, that you know, that those that's what I've said in the past is hey, if this guy is a sure thing to improve your roster. Then you can't wait around. You know, that, that's that's maybe when you when you make that offer on that house the first day it goes on the market. Yeah. And I agree that that's where I agree with you. Um, you know, we mentioned I mentioned Nayor. And you and I have both, I think, heard that they may be looking even even now, still looking to add possibly another wide receiver, like a one-year rental through the portal market as well, right? Yeah, I mean, I've heard it, but I'm starting to think, I'm starting to fade that as a possibility just because the wide receivers are, are moving really well in, in workouts and, you know, everybody's healthy. Um, they're not... I, I, I don't think it's going to happen before this, before the, the workouts began, you know, maybe a month ago, I was thinking, yeah, there's a good chance they'll bring in another one, but uh, Jordan Whittington's moving uh, extremely well. They're, they're seeing some bright spots there. Um, they think that Troy O'Meary is going to be able to come back and, and at least uh, participate. Um, you know, he's already running gasters with the team. He's, he's kind of full go. Maybe he's not, he's not totally confident in his knee, but he's, he, he's coming back. So I, I think that they're going to use that uh, elsewhere. Now, if, if somebody really good became available or somebody that they had a, a previous relationship with, then maybe so. But I would, I would think that they, they lock up what they have and, and just stick with it, you know, cause you don't, you can, you can overreach and, and, uh, and disrupt the locker room. You know, you got guys in there that are working hard for a chance. And if you bring in a guy that's just another body, that's going to compete with them, uh, you could rub some people the wrong way. So I think it would have to be a really, really good player. Uh, I think the offense, the, the wide receivers have a chance to, to impress the spring, and that will answer a lot of questions going into the season. All right, Eric, I have three more topics for us today on the, the state of the program, and I'm going to give that to the folks real quick just so they have a – I think I want, to, I want to touch on basketball for 30 seconds to a minute because of the game yesterday. I also want to talk about something uh, – you, you mentioned something on Friday, the best young defensive back on the roster. How are some of the young guys looking? I want to go over that that you've heard – uh, on, on uh, so far of the, I think it's half dozen or a dozen, uh, 11 or 12 new faces that are on the roster for this spring. And then uh, furthermore, I want to end it with something that you and I get accused about a lot. And that's making people drink the burnt orange Kool-Aid, you know, all these positive and glowing reports. And then they end up five and seven or seven and five or 10 and four, or whatever the number is that particular year. I want you and I to talk about that uh, at length. Uh, first, real quick on basketball though. Uh, uh, Horns lost uh, to Texas Tech in the, the Irwin Center yesterday. Fan, I, despite the loss, they, they did not play well uh, in spurts again, but they're definitely making the tournament. And furthermore, Chris Beard, when you pay a basketball coach at Texas a lot of money, not only do you want to win, but you want to start filling the arena he is a guy that is worth the money because he's getting the butts in the seats to make it a atmosphere that is contagious. I yep. mean, win or lose, you can say what you want, but that atmosphere is contagious. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. 
Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Yeah, yeah. We uh, I was at a seven on seven yesterday, and <clears throat> I timed my uh, my my uh, my slot to go write up a, a quick article to to watch some of that game to, so it would coincide. And man, what I, I I was you know in between keystrokes, I was just seeing them not be able to shoot the damn ball. So that was uh, that, that was my takeaway from the game. I wasn't paying too close attention to it, but you know they're they're missing some gimmies left and right. Um, very frustrating because that's one of those uh, that's one of those games you want to get back. But you know, hopefully they see them in the Big Twelve tournament. You know, the Rams lost to the 49ers twice uh, in the regular season this year, and then got them when it counted in the playoffs. Uh, maybe you can maybe they can get them on that third time. Hopefully they see each other again in the Big Twelve championship. Yeah, I, I just feel like. My, my point on that is not even this particular team for Texas. Yes, I understand. Yeah, it's just, I mean, if you're going to pay a basketball coach $5 million a year, whatever they're paying yeah. Chris Beard, you, you want the, the return on investment, the ROI. Yeah. And I think that Texas is seeing it not only from a competitive basketball team, but uh, from the outreach to the fans and, and making the Irwin Center or whatever is going to be the Moody College, whatever it's going to be called uh, next, uh, a, a rocking place. All right. Freshman on the football team real quick. Uh, you mentioned uh, you had asked someone or, or one of the guys had asked someone who is the most imp impressive freshman DB uh, mm -hmm. out of the gate so far. Uh, you got a somewhat surprising response because BJ Allen's out there. There's some other guys that have some experience or that, that are pretty good players. You got back Jalen Gilbo. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, I've been mentioning him quite a bit. It's every time I ask about the freshman, he's he's one of the first ones, often the first one mentioned. Uh, it's not totally surprising given his uh, reputation coming in. Uh, you know, very hard worker, doesn't say a lot, keeps his head down and, and gets after it. Uh, that's not to say the other DBs aren't doing that because we're hearing the same about uh, Brian Allen, Terrence Brooks as well. Um, but there's just something different about him. And, and, and uh, most interesting to me is, I, you know, I've got people thinking that maybe he can stick at corner. I, I tend to think he's st he'll still end up at nickel, but... Um, if you've got the if you've got the movement skills to be maybe a nickel, then you definitely have him, or maybe a corner, then you definitely have him to play uh, play cornerback long term. But he's one, um, and of course you know Justice Finkley. That's uh, like I always say, there's a selection bias for those guys that uh, that come in early. Uh, they tend to be more focused in general. It's not to say a lot of guys come in in summer they are as well, but those guys just have a different sense of uh, urgency about them uh, more often than not, and then they come in early and, and acclimate quicker and. Uh, I think they just have more of a plan in general. Um, and that's no shot at the guys that come in, in in May and June. You know, a lot of those guys like Brennan, Brennan Thompson has a great mental evaluation, uh, but he's got some unfinished business on the track. So that, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, but those guys that come in earlier, they definitely, uh, they, more often than not, we hear positive things about them. It's almost like when I, when I hear someone's going in early, then I already know I'm going to, uh, going to be a fan of his in the spring. Uh, but yeah. you know, I, I hear something different about each one. You know, uh, Cole Hudson is working hard too. You know that he's got a long way to go as an offensive lineman, but but he's doing everything asked of him. Uh, you know, you've heard some good things about Dre Bledsoe, I believe. Uh, I've heard those as well. Um, you know, he might play. Uh, he might play Jack to start outside instead of uh, playing interior, which which to me I, I kind of uh, mentioned as a possibility given their need. So I'm really excited about it. I can't wait for spring ball because you know even even with Nair, you know we keep seeing these uh, tantalizing uh, workout videos of his quickness and size and and we keep hearing all these things. I want to hear about him going one on one with Ryan Watts. That's what I can't wait for. And you know we got to wait a few more weeks for that. Uh, you mentioned those workout <laughs> videos. They are awesome, aren't they? Uh, yeah. Brendan Marion, for those that aren't uh, aware, the new Texas wide receiver coach posts some videos of workouts on his Instagram, and uh, they've kind of been must see TV, so to speak, for Texas fans. 
uh, Isaiah Naor is got some quick feet. I think that's a, that's a one thing for sure. And uh, he is big for a wide yeah. receiver. He, he yeah. is definitely a different size dude out there compared to all the other guys. Um, you know, I, I think, I think of that. And then I think of Quinn Ewers and what we, what we want to see out of Quinn uh, this spring Hudson card, obviously is a, a big need uh, for him to step up. It's, it's, it's time there. Um, I'm, I'm interested across the board, really, uh, you know, where is Texas going to end up uh, this spring uh, with some of these new guys? I mean, are they going to are they theoretically ready to really play a lot of young guys in the secondary and on the on the D line potentially? I, I don't know. Um, uh, but it, it shouldn't be overall a, a, a young team in general, I don't think. No, it's not. It's going to be inexperienced with where the, the most talent is probably. Um, but they, they do have a lot of older guys, you know, especially on the defensive line, especially on the offensive line. Uh, the corners have uh, experience. Watts is new to the program, but he's, he's not new to college football, obviously. Um, but, you know, they're going to they're going to throw the DBs to the fire in, in spring ball. And, you know, Texas is in a better position to test them and actually get an idea of what they have uh, versus a year ago. You know, they've got two deep threats uh, in Worthy and, and uh, Nair. And uh, Whittington should be <laughs> killing things underneath, um, and so that's gonna that's gonna make the 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 secondary get on the same page a whole lot quicker. So I think that's one of their big concerns of the spring. Uh, but they are excited about the young talent, and they've got to figure out how to make the parts work. And then you know that we we didn't really mention safety other than Darius Joiner uh, as a po possible uh, portal uh, addition. Uh, right now they're waiting on him. I, I still think they're gonna add a add a safety after after spring. So. Maybe it's even better that way because, you know, they can get these younger guys reps. You know, Brian Allen, you're, you're huge on Brian Allen. Uh, he fits a big need in, in the secondary. Uh, he's, you know, maybe, he, maybe he's starting by midseason. Who knows? Yeah, I, I, I look at it, and, and I think that, you know, spring ball is a time for the team to kind of coalesce, right? A couple of things. That, that you kind of figure out, start figuring out who you are as a team and what your strong points are. Yeah. And, and at the same time, learning about who's going to step up. Right. All right. I mean, and so um, because it's hard for guys that don't step up in the spring to just all of a sudden show up in the fall and there's a different the coaches. You and I both know that that's just not how reality is. Uh, unless you're a new face, you, you, they kind of have this pre uh, disposition of of what what it's going to look like in the fall, typically. Um, all right. I, I feel like that we're good on the freshman talk. I want to step now to th this is the topic that that kind of irks me at times, but also I, it's understandable because some people do go over the top with it. And that's the fact that fans a lot of say, oh, well, Bobby, you were the same guy that was saying they were going to win 10 games this year um, and go to the playoffs or whatever. And now here they are at five and seven. OK, so I want to say this. I haven't been with Eric. Eric's publisher of Inside Texas. I haven't been reading Eric for 10 plus years, 12 plus years, or what, however long uh, we've been going at this, he probably hasn't been reading mine either. So I want to say this. I haven't picked Texas to win 10 games in 10 years. So when people start saying that, I, I feel like, hey, wait a minute. Who, who's really got the burnt orange glasses? You're reading whenever I say I think they could win eight or nine and lose and, and you know, there's like this chasm, right? A high yeah. and a low. And, and I know you, you tend to do that too. We do it with recruiting rankings and this guy's ceiling and his floor or whatever, right? Um, I did not think the floor last year was five five wins. I will be the first to admit that. 
I thought it was more like six or seven. Uh, but um, where where do you stand on? Oh, y'all are you guys are feeding us a bunch of bull. Uh, yeah. just, we're just going to get the same old team, that sort of stuff. Where do you fit in all of that, Eric? I mean, well, I mean, it's frustrating for me as, as somebody that covers the team. Um, but I, I do understand it at the same time as well. You know, I, I would I want to be held accountable for what I report as factual and much less accountable for what my opinion is, you know, because it's just an opinion. You know, opinions are wrong all the damn time. Um, if I get a story wrong, then I, you know, beat me up. I deserve it. But, I, you know, I'm already beating myself up way worse. And, you know, luckily it doesn't happen often, but but it does. You know, our sourcing comes from people that are associated around the program and that they're, they're not going to be down on the program. They're, you know, it's not like we're getting some, uh, you know, middle, it's not like Jim, we're not getting our, our information from a satellite that goes from to all these other uh, knowledgeable football people telling us what's going on inside the program. We're getting it from inside the program and there's almost always going to be optimism around it. Uh, and, and, you know, seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Part of that, part of the problem is they've had so much turnover and there's almost always, um, there's almost always optimism with that new day that's starting. You know, we're having that new spring ball right now. Well, that happens with the new coaching staff. That happens with, uh, you know, every time you have it bring a new offensive coordinator, they feel like it's a, it's a breath of fresh air. And so there has been too much optimism within the program. Uh, but I mean, that to me, that just goes without saying. But, you know, um, this past offseason, heading into the season, you could tell that Sark was optimistic. You could tell that uh, PK was optimistic. And I, I reminded our readers, like, hey, look, our sources are thinking similar to these guys. If you want inside the program sources, this is what they're thinking. You know, you could tell that Sark is optimistic. You could tell that PK is optimistic. He thought he was going to hold teams um, beneath 20 points. He said that repeatedly. Uh, and so I, I tried to tell our fans, hey, look, we're not, we're not the ones telling you this. They are telling you that. And our sources are people that are around them. So, of course, you're going to be hearing the same thing. Yeah, I, and, I, and I think that the number one problem, it, let me ask you this, this is what I think, okay, and, and give, you give me your feedback and see if you can agree, disagree, or kind of in between somewhere, okay? I think the number one problem that people see is not necessarily the spring reports are so glowing, although some people wax on unapologetically unnecessarily, right? I don't think you or I necessarily have done that. I, I know I've known you now and, and worked with you for more than a year and realize that you just don't, that's not how you operate. So you're not going to write that way. I, I'm somewhat similar. I was known for as a pessimist almost for 10 years, but it was, there was reason I was a pessimist, right? I consider it more of a realist, but the number one problem that I feel like that Texas has from, from a fan base understanding is this idea that Texas has drastically better recruits than other programs and therefore has drastically better talent than other programs. I, I think that there is a, a some sort of misunderstanding there about what it all means to get a higher rated recruit um, and how all the interplay comes because recruiting is not the be all end all. Um, right. And that, that's, that's what people miss. I mean, a, a, player that you mentioned to Ricky Wright Vanderbilt right Texas wants him 
he's transferring from Vandy ostensibly because he wasn't necessarily a fit there and what they were trying to do. Um, you know, you know, you're not only looking for athleticism and understanding and, and all the intangibles of a player, you're also looking how he fits particularly what you're trying to do. Last year is a great example on defense. They didn't have a defensive end that could do what they wanted to do. Yeah. So yeah. even they're if still, they, were, they were still paying the price for having the, the turnover with, from Todd Orlando. So, you so know, fit, fit is a big problem. Yeah. So how do you, and, and this is, how do you explain to people, to readers and, and viewers that recruiting is not the be all end all, but it is extraordinarily important. Right. Yeah. So um, how, and, and then encapsulate that into what you think a team record might be in the fall. Right. Well, the, um, the big problem is that they don't understand that, that coaching matters. And it's, it's odd because at the same time that they're saying a recruit is terrible, they're saying fire the coach. Um, you know, I heard it a lot about Malik Jefferson um, not getting developed or he's not a five-star talent. Well, they just fired his coach, you know, because the coach wasn't developing the talent. And then Tom Herman came in um, and um, all of a sudden Malik had his best year. And if he would have come back, he wouldn't have been considered. Nobody would have considered him a bust if he would have come back for his senior year, you know? So development matters. That, that's, that's, that's first and foremost with, uh, with recruiting. My big problem is, you know, we, there, a lot of our practice reports, um, it, it, it's zero sum. What I, what I tell the readers to take as fact is, hey, this is what's, what's useful is the depth chart. <clears throat> which guys are, which guys are moving up the depth chart, which guys are moving down. That's going to be the most functional thing that you learn in the spring. Uh, that's going to tell you who's performing and who isn't. Uh, when you get zero sum units between, you know, the defensive line versus the offensive line, I, I don't know how good the defensive line is because I don't know how good the offensive line is and vice versa. So that's impossible to know <laughs> what's going on. Well, we, we found out that this year. I mean, you're, it's a great, what you just right. gave was a great example, but what about the recruiting aspect, the talent aspect that people will point to? So specifically, you know, you know, oh, well, Texas is ranked five in recruiting and Oklahoma State was ranked 35th, but they still kicked our butt. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's why I always mentioned Gundy and before Patterson left TCU is their ability to recruit to, to scheme uh, and fit. So maybe the guy is, is maybe the, maybe Texas gets a four star that's better than their three star. And, you know, it happened with uh, that safety that they got Kobe Peel, uh, who ended up being a really good player. Uh, but he's a perfect fit for what they're trying to do. Texas will take a player that maybe isn't a good fit. He's a good athletic player, you know, but he's not exactly what they're trying to do. And, and the problem is that Texas is trying to do something different every year because they have so much turnover. So you have to, that continuity that Gundy's had, he's looking for the same sorts of players year in and year out. And, and they, they do become plug and play, even though they're not household names. Uh, and actually he's doing well in the portal with, with those types of players too. Uh, but I, I, that's why I say, you know, you got to recruit to your scheme, your, your specific scheme. And it's not just physically, but it's mentally too, because, you know, uh, you know, especially the secondary, they're asking a lot of those guys. So maybe Texas gets a, a really good athlete back there, but he doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> you know, and we've seen yeah, a lot no, of I, BJ Foster is a great example. Right. I mean, right. Tr tremendous. We know he's a tremendous athlete. <laughs> Probably wasn't a safety in, in retrospect, but was always more successful the closer he was to the line of scrimmage. But, you know, I feel like, you know, he at one point in time, he had a chance to be a really good football player, but never got going in, in that trajectory. So let me let me ask you this, knowing what you're saying there about the fit and about, uh, you know, what it takes to be successful. Where do you think the recruiting is now? Is Texas going in that direction where these guys are not only good athletes, yeah. but also good fits? 
I mean, the most glaring uh, example of that is what's going on on the offensive line. They're moving from, you know, what Herb Hand liked, the smaller, quicker guys, to what Flood Flood certainly has a type. They're all gigantic monsters that move their feet well enough to, to drive block. Um, and so, you know, once you have the, the a depth chart filled with your type of guys, then you can start developing them, and, and then you start having plug-and-play ability. Um, you know, off, I think it's we're, we're starting to see the same thing at wide receiver where, where Sarkeesian has a type. You know, there's there's three ways to separate as a wide receiver, and he wants that first one, which is speed, uh, first and foremost. You know, it's nice that you can run routes, or it's great that you can moss guys and go up above them, uh, but he wants guys that just separate. That's the that's the most surefire way to translate. And so, so Sark is still looking for those guys. Um, <clears throat> whereas, you know, Herman had a different type of guy he was looking for. He wanted to move the ball. Uh, down the field in a lot more methodical fashion. And that's why he fed those, uh, those, that slot, the, the kind of a bigger, stronger slot, more like Jordan Whittington. Uh, I'm not sure that Sark would have recruited Jordan Whittington to play uh, wide receiver, you know, maybe, maybe would have looked at him as a multi, multi-purpose threat running back sort of thing that he's doing with Savion Red. But um, so, I mean, fit, I, I've, I've been belaboring that for, since the beginning, you know, stars, stars do matter, obviously, but, but putting stars in the position to succeed matters more. Yeah. And I think that's, that feeds that, that, that is the single, and I, and I, I actually think there's some validity to whenever people bemoan the fact that, Hey, we're supposed to be more talented this than this other team and the results aren't showing it. And it, to some degree, they're right. right. Um, but when they, but when I, they lose to, when they lose to Kansas, it's not a talent issue. So yeah. that's that, but that highlights the issues elsewhere, right? If they're losing to Kansas, then you know that the talent is not being even close to being maximized. Uh, and it's going to be tougher to beat those those teams that have where the the difference in talent isn't nearly as big. But, you know, Texas has a better talent advantage on paper than Baylor and Oklahoma State. Well, if they're barely beating Kansas, they're losing to Kansas. Then you know those games are going to be tough too. But there is plenty of talent to compete in the conference next year. I, I definitely believe that. Uh, just because, but that's that says more about the Big Twelve than anything else. Well, I think that I I kind of agree with you I'd like to see him go through spring I want to see Quinn Ewers at quarterback yeah I think, I think that nobody I mean there's no position in a Steve Sarkeesian offense that is more important right and so until you see that development there or, or what that might be yeah, um, yeah. but, but the, the conference is just not going to be good next year so it, it could be what was the what was the last year in the Southwest Conference Bobby where everybody split it and it was like you know 95 I think or 96 <laughs> Everybody right. went like eight and five and split it or eight and four and split it. It's going to be, it's going to be like that. I think all, all hail James Brown, <laughs> young man from Beaumont Westbrook took home the title that year, beat the Aggies. All right. Hey, uh, uh, Eric, I think that's good. Uh, good for today. Uh, folks, Eric Nalene of inside Texas, please consider a subscription to InsideTexas.com. That's where Eric, myself, uh, Jerry Hamilton, Justin Wells, Paul Wadlington, Joe Cook, Ian Boyd, Hudson Stanish, we're all there every day uh, answering your questions on the message board, delivering you news on the team and recruiting. Uh, Longhorn Baseball got off to a good start as well. Uh, we were uh, Joe Cook, I think, was there for us uh, yesterday. Um, also consider a, a, a free subscription to this uh, podcast. Just click on the red button. Uh, we try to do about four or five videos a week with the staff of Inside Texas to keep you guys up to date uh, as well and to, to add a little more color uh, to what's going on behind the scenes in Austin. All right, for Eric Nalene, I'm Bobby Burton. This has been State of the Program on Texas Football.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.